Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross All right, we are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor, Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com. We have a new YouTube for our MMA and boxing content, Jimmy. Unfortunately, Nigel, I think the thing is on delay again. Seriously? Yeah, at least no, at least why, why even point it shot. out? We're good. Uh, because we're good. I don't know if the live people are seeing it on delay too, Sean. Oh, they see it fine. We're good. Do they? We're good. Yeah. We're okay. Good. In that case, I guess we'll just kind of deal with it. So, uh, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. Doing good. Lots of stuff. We got pretty ambitious with some new stuff on Fightful. Like I mentioned to you, we got we hit a a milestone on one of our YouTube channels. We started another one. We have a resources section at fightfulwrestling.com now lots of cool stuff well you know not a week goes by that we don't have big news and i when we started doing this podcast i thought to myself is there ever going to be a week so the list of jimmy van right here where i put down the news for the week i always wonder is there ever going to be a week where there's like nothing to talk about and we have to kind of wing it for an hour but uh every week there seems to be something big and this week of course we got to start with roman reigns yeah uh i did not know that he was first diagnosed with this when he was 22. I didn't Not know. he did. And, and you and I talked on Monday night, and I said, was this, was this, he must have kept this really close to the vest. Because I didn't know, I never heard anything about it before. He's 33 now. He, he went into remission with leukemia back in 2008, uh, and now it's yeah. back. Uh, that was one of the most shocking pieces of wrestling television I have ever seen. And uh, did not see it coming at all. Obviously, when he went out there wearing street clothes and he looked a little subdued. And you thought something's up. But there had been rumors of an injury because he didn't work the house shows on the weekend, but he was on the road. So I thought at first, maybe he's injured. You know, the I lost my smile, Shawn Michaels stuff. I got to drop the title. Yeah. Didn't see that coming at all. Uh, and, and that's really heartbreaking news. Um, it is not often, Sean... It is not often that I talk about personal business, even within my company here. Uh, 
let alone on a podcast. It's a rare thing I don't normally do. This is one rare instance where I'm going to share, and you already know because I, I told you about it because I didn't know about my schedule. My dad yeah. was recently diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and for about the last month, I've spent every weekend traveling back to my hometown because in my dad's case, the prognosis is not good. Uh, and we don't think we're going to have a lot of time with him. When it comes to Roman Reigns, the good news, if there is good news, the good news is that he's a young man and he's in really good physical condition. And so he will be able to handle the side effects of whatever treatment they throw at him, which was not my dad's situation. So at least if there is a positive, he's going to be able to handle the treatment. But it's still uh, a crappy situation. I'm optimistic that he uh, overcomes it and that he'll be back. And uh, best of luck to him. What else can you really say? You know? Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much to this situation. I, I reached out to a ton of WWE wrestlers. And initially, <clears throat> we hear Roman Reigns off weekend house shows. Okay. Uh, Robbie, of, Robbie Fox of Barstool Sports noted on Monday that he had heard that Reigns was injured. Mike Johnson kind of went against that. But as I reached out to people in WWE... My source just sent back one word, and it just said inactive. Didn't say anything else, just inactive. Mm -hmm, and I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I guess we'll find out. And then that happens, and how can you expect anything like that? And fortunately for Roman Reigns, he's, he's been through it before. That's not fortunate, but he probably saw the warning signs. He probably knew what to expect coming from something like this and and probably, probably uh, it, it's just... I don't want to say it's easier for him to deal with, but it's something he's been through before, and I'm sure he can fight. And we also got the news today that Samu is battling stage four liver cancer. Yeah, that was going to be the next wrestled, thing on my list, yeah. This guy wrestled three weeks ago at MLW. Yeah, and he is Roman's cousin. Uh, yes. And I, I believe he's also Roman's godfather, but he yes. is uh, he is the uh, son of Afa. The, of the Wild Samoans. Roman is the son of Sika of the Wild Samoans. I remember Samu. I mean, obviously, he's, he was one of the head shrinkers, and uh, I think he was going to be part of the Samoan SWAT team in WWE. I remember him because of international wrestling in Montreal. He was a top heel there in the mid-'80s. This is even before, long before the head shrinker stuff, uh, and, and that's how I best remember Samu. Uh, and I believe WCW, actually, he was part of the Samoan SWAT team, I think, in yeah. WCW. But... Uh, it's a sad situation. So that was Jason Solomon. He's got a podcast. What's it called? Solo Monster, I believe. Solo Monster uh, sounds off. Okay. And he's the one that reported that Samu's battling uh, stage 4 liver cancer and he's well, awaiting a Sam, transplant. Samu posted it on his uh, Facebook. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's been a rough go for the Wild Samoan family. You know, I mean, they lost Yokozuna. They lost Rosie. Umaga. Uh, Umaga. Yeah, they lost Umaga. And, uh, and again, I did not know that Roman had dealt with this before. So it was kept very close to the vest. Sorry to cut you off. I, I spoke to Shane Helms, who teamed with Rosie for two and a half years. Roman Reigns' brother. He had mm -hmm. no idea, no clue, no inkling of this. Right. And I had spoke to WWE wrestlers all throughout yesterday, especially. And man, I heard so many positive stories about how he takes his locker room leader role seriously and would help out a lot of people and would eliminate problems with frequency. If he saw something uh, bubbling under that he thought was going to cause a problem, he would address it or flat out sometimes, in, in the case of some people, say, hey, maybe you need to take a break from yeah. the locker room. Maybe you need to go elsewhere for a while. I mean, he was the guy that told Enzo to get off the bus. Yeah, there that you was, go. That was a big story. Uh, I read a story this week about Aleister Black and about how Aleister Black, because he was, he was kind of brought up 
you know, that you do things the proper way, I guess, as a new guy in the locker room, and you treat the veterans with a certain level of respect. Alistair Black was cleaning up the locker rooms after every show, uh, even when he made it to NXT and all that, and Roman Reigns is the one that told him, you don't need to do that anymore. You, you're, yeah. you're part of the roster now, and you don't have to do that anymore. So uh, that was all cool. I wish him the best of luck. Now, obviously, this news being what it is, and Roman being in the spot that he's in, WWE had no choice. They had to shake things up. In, in terms of the roster a little bit. Uh, Why did they? And that included Dean Ambrose's heel turn. i got to tell you, Sean, top five all-time heel turns for Dean Ambrose. Now, we knew it was going to happen, right? We knew it was going to happen because it had been in the works for a while, and they'd been teasing it for a while, and I believe he was going to turn heel before he got injured. And there have been rumors about uh, maybe Dean and Roman or Dean and Seth at WrestleMania. So we knew it was going to happen. Nobody saw it coming on that night. Right. Oh no, I thought they were going to do the happy-go-lucky thing. Yes. And worth noting, Vince was not at Raw. Triple H ran Raw. Vince is still has final say over everything, but Triple H's fingerprint is increasing. There was a report that Vince doesn't go to all the tapings anymore. He hasn't gone to all the tapings in a long time. That, that's been the case. There's a major realignment here, and as I mentioned on Raw on the post-Raw podcast, you got Kevin Owens gone, too. Yep. A guy who was the glue of this show and could fit in anywhere. You don't have him, either. Mm-hmm. So, as terrible as this diagnosis is, it does force WWE to get creative. And when yeah. WWE is back into a corner, they can do some really special things. Uh, I mean, look at Raw, how they ha- were forced to switch things up, and look at SmackDown, where they're complacent and weren't. Sure, yeah. Now, um, some people were complaining about the, the timing of the Dean Ambrose turn and, oh, was it good timing considering this news and all that? I don't have a problem with it. And, and uh, honestly, the timing made it one of the greatest turns of all time. When you think about some of the greatest heel turns ever, going back years, I can think of stuff like, say, Paul Orndorff on Hulk Hogan. I thought that was a great one. Yeah. Shawn Michaels on Marty Jannetty was of a great course. one, right? But with those ones, it was pretty obvious it was about to happen. Like, you could see that it was about to happen. I didn't see the Ambrose thing coming at all. They just won the tag titles. I thought they you know? were going to maybe let it boil for a long time. I thought maybe we'd get it at WrestleMania, a triple threat, and that would be cool. Right, right. Yeah, that I, was a hell of a, hell of a heel turn. Phenomenal. What they did has me so interested in watching Monday Night Raw next week. Right, yeah, and, and when you look at the alignment of stuff now, so now they've put Braun Strowman where he should have been all along. They have Braun Strowman in the top babyface spot. Uh, and they announced that Crown Jewel, and boy, are we going to talk about Crown Jewel in a minute. Oh, we but, sure are. But they've announced that Crown Jewel now is going to be one-on-one, Braun and Brock, for the Universal title. Uh, so he's in Roman's spot. They've essentially put Dean into Braun's spot as kind of like the top heel, uh, but they've also got Drew McIntyre in that spot. So the top two programs now can be Dean and Seth and Braun and Drew McIntyre, uh, and that's, that's the direction that they're heading. And then on top of that, Sean, they took the guy that you and I have been putting over, it's almost like we're his agent because we put him over so often. They took Elias, the guy that we've been putting over forever. They finally pulled the trigger on a babyface turn. You give that guy three months, Sean, he might be the biggest star on that brand if they, if yeah. they go in the right direction with him creatively. I hate what happened to Roman Reigns. I just want to say that first off, but we have spoken at length about how WWE often has sacrificed the rest of the roster to get him over, put him over, get him a certain reaction. The night that he left, four or five guys got elevated mm-hmm. immediately. Elias did. Drew McIntyre did. 
Uh, you could argue that Braun did because he did. he's in a solo spot against Brock Lesnar. Rollins and Ambrose both did. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully, uh, Roman Reigns is going to come back. I don't doubt that at all. I would say 98% certainty he's going to be back. And finally, he'll probably have the reaction they desired so long. It's tragic that it would take this to to experience it. But WWE's got a lot of guys that are going to have to step up, and there's going to be a lot of people like Finn Balor who has nothing going on besides smiling, doing a pose, and wearing a leather jacket. Yeah. He's going to have to step up and get interesting because now with no clear person at the top and Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre, you don't know who they'll make the heel, who will make the baby face on a week-to-week basis because it's WWE. Mm-hmm. Common sense would say, well, maybe Drew McIntyre will be the baby face because he's smaller than Braun. He can play the underdog. But... WWE likes to flip that around so much, who knows? I am incredibly intrigued about what the future of this brand will be and how things will go. I think it's going to be interesting, and so that, that takes us to Saudi Arabia. I'm sure Nigel's been following this situation. we got Nigel producing this week. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so the latest, so we're doing this on October, on October 24th, and it just so happens that today there's an investment conference that's been going on in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and so uh, good old Crown Prince Mohammed, MBS... Spoke about this murder of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. He calls himself MBS now, yeah, which know. is whatever. So he actually spoke today about the murder, and he is basically uh, denying any involvement uh, because we've we've heard all this stuff about is WWE going to do this or not? Oh, they're waiting to find out more details about the situation. So here's the latest on it. So uh, Saudi Arabia has acknowledged it happened. They're calling it a rogue operation. The foreign minister of Saudi Arabia, his name is Adel Al-Juber, he said that the individuals who did it uh, did so outside the scope of their authority. Uh, and he said, quote, we're determined to punish those who are responsible for this murder. Uh, and as I mentioned, they claim that the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was not aware of the operation. That's their claim. I'm not going to say if they're, you know, full of shit or not. I have my opinion. I'm sure you do, Sean, and I'm sure you do, Nigel. Yes. The, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, Crown Jewel still is on the docket as of today. Yeah. Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports reports that John Cena and Daniel Bryan are both refusing to do the show. Uh, and I understand, because it's been reported by other outlets, that WWE Creative has been informed that Cena is likely not going to be on the show. He's still being promoted for the World Cup. Even as of SmackDown last night, he was still being promoted for the World Cup. Um, it is what it is. I hear that they've been kind of you know, thinking about back, backup plans. And like you mentioned last week, they have to do a crown jewel event now because they've been promoting it. But there's been talk about backup plans and, you know, maybe they can do it someplace else. Dave Meltzer said that unless U.S. officials like Donald Trump himself tells WWE not to do the show, that Vincent Man is going to do the show. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to do the show. Very much like what Meltzer said. I think that unless there's some kind of uh, government authority that forces them not to, they're going to do it. And so we can expect the next Friday it's going to happen. I'm curious about a guy like Nigel, Sean, the, the, the non-wrestling fan. What do you think about WWE, an entertainment entity, wanting to go on likely with the show in Saudi Arabia, given this news about uh, Jamal Khashoggi being murdered? I don't know. That's a tough question. Yeah. I, it's hard because you're kind of in an impossible situation because on the one hand, I understand that they have like a major incentive monetarily to go over there. Yes. But... I don't know. There's things like this. It's hard to say really whether it's politically worth it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the country itself hasn't really cut ties with Saudi Arabia, so I don't see why the WWE would have any special 
reason why they should have to if the U.S. gets to continue to sell them weapons. That's for fair. That's fair. So Kevin Nash, of all people, Sean. <laughs> uh, not, not that Kevin Bash is any kind of an international ambassador for anything, but he's not a stupid person. No, and, he's not. And he posted it on social media, something along the lines of, uh, you know, most of the guys involved with 9-11 were Saudis. And he said, what did we do? We bombed Afghanistan and Iraq. He said, this time around, the guys involved are Saudis. What are we going to do? Are we going to bomb Yemen? Uh, and, and the way Nash put it, and, and he is right when he said this. Nash said, this is about entertainment. This is not a U.N. summit. And so Nash said, honor your contract, do the show. And that was his opinion. My opinion is the same as last week, which is, yes, they're getting a lot of money for the show. They're getting more money from Fox. And they're getting more money from USA Network. And do you want to piss off those massive corporate partners that are essentially your lifeblood now? Because that's where most of your money is coming from. Do you want to potentially piss them off in order to do this controversial show for this one big payday? If I'm the decision maker, I would take a pass. Uh, wait till things die down a little bit and then go back and do it again. That's what I would do. But uh, I think they're going to do it. What do you think? I do too. And Hulk Hogan said in an interview with Orlando Sentinel that he's looking forward to going to Saudi Arabia with WWE. Are you kidding? That's what he just said. So we'll have an article up on that on Fightful.com. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Because there had been rumors about that. Because uh, who was it? uh, The guy from the General Sports Authority posted a photo of Hogan on Twitter. Yeah. Right? So Hogan yeah. basically just acknowledged it. And there's been zero promotion of Hulk Hogan on WWE television. None. Uh, well, roughly about the same as WWE Evolution, am I right? Ha. But uh, lots, <laughs> lots of stuff going on with this, man. And also, it pisses me off that wrestling outlets, several of the bigger ones, refuse to credit Robbie Fox for some of this news. I saw he put you over for that. I mean, yeah, and I've known Robbie since before he was at Barstool Sports and before I was at Fightful. Like, mm-hmm. We were just buddies on Twitter. But beyond that, I don't care who breaks the story, give them the credit. I agree. I, I'm, we're trying to help advance wrestling journalism to have it taken a little more seriously. That way, the it, it's better for everybody. It's I better agree. for the reader. It's better for the wrestler. It's better for us. It's ridiculous. But the Crown Jewel situation, it's like... It's it's been clear. They they've already put a price tag on their morality. They did that long ago. Mm. And you do have the president of the United States essentially putting a price tag on a man's life, saying, "Well, I don't like it, but 110 billion dollars." Mm. Do you remember the scene from Tropic Thunder? It's been too long. No, it's been too long ago. Where Tom Cruise is dressed as uh as the big executive. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey wants to get Ben Stiller out of the jungle. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is like, yeah, but what about if we give you a plane and lots of money? And that's basically what Saudi Arabia is doing. They're like, well, I know we killed a guy, but what about that money? Mm-hmm. Well, it is what it is, man. I guess we'll see what happens. There's still another week to go. There have been, there have been rumors that WWE was going to be making a decision today, Wednesday, October 24th one way or the other. I still think they're going to do it. I mean, SmackDown last night, uh, the World Cup was the thing most heavily promoted in the main event segment of the show. So I think they're going to do it. Now let's move on and talk about evolution. You already touched upon this. Three months ago, Sean, three months ago, we had Stephanie McMahon's announcement, because that's how they worded it. Stephanie McMahon's announcement that they were going to have the first ever historic all-women pay-per-view called Evolution. And three months later, 
This thing has taken a back seat in a hurry on WWE television. And what has it taken a back seat to? This, this pioneering, first ever historic thing. It's taking a back seat to big paid shows, essentially. Yeah. And so it's taken a back seat first to Super Showdown, and now it's taking a back seat to Crown Jewel. And with the exception of two things, uh, Charlotte and Becky, I think that's been a really fun program going back a few months now. Uh, I still think Becky Lynch is one of the best things on, on WWE television right now. Liked what they did with the Performance Center and all that. I thought that was all cool. So you've got that. Ronda and Nikki Bella is not bad. Even though it was, it's been very brief and they built up their, their yeah. friendship over like, what, two weeks or something on television. It's still been kind of interesting. Aside from those two things... They're not doing anything with anybody, including Trish Stratus. They're having Trish Stratus do backstage smudges. They're having all the girls do brawls in the ring to promote the Battle Royal. They're doing nothing, but then they're putting all of the focal points on Crown Jewel and on the World Cup and on the, the, the major matches for Crown Jewel. Uh, I guess it just kind of goes to show you, you know, where, where the bread is buttered, so to speak, and where the money is made. And after calling this thing historic and first ever and blah, 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 and Stephanie McMahon doing these bullshit interviews saying, I want parity and equality and I want the same number of females on the roster as men, which is absolute horseshit that she does not really mean. Now here we are with uh, Evolution being the redheaded stepchild to Crown Jewel on WWE television. That's just how it is. Five of the seven scheduled matches have people that aren't on the main roster, whether they be retired, NXT, NXT UK, Whatever it may be. Five of the seven. So, and I'm okay with the Mae Young finals. I'm okay with the NXT thing. Mm -hmm. I'm even okay with Lita and Trish Stratus. Mm -hmm. They could have came up with something a lot better for Ronda Rousey. Uh, It's got attention, so there's that. Man, a lot of these women just got hosed. A lot of the women who shouldered the load for this change in WWE's women's division just got hosed. Sasha and Bailey, undeniable. Undeniable. Yeah. I mean, you think back to their NXT matches, that kind of led to where this whole evolution is, or was, anyway. So they definitely got it. Let, let's talk about the matches quickly. So Ronda, Nikki. If Nikki Bella gets more than two minutes of offense, I'm going to be very upset, Sean. All right? Well, prepared to be offended by her offense. Oh, it's happening. Oh, that's so painful. So that's for the Raw Women's title. Last Woman Standing, I think, will be fun. Becky Lynch and Charlotte, I have uh, a lot of optimism for that one, and I think that will be fun. Uh, you mentioned the, uh, the Mae Young Classic Finals, the NXT Women's title again. Now, Trish and Lita, Alexa, Mickey James, we heard that uh, last week, and Alexa reportedly suffered a concussion at a live event in Hartford, Connecticut. On Raw this week, she wasn't there, so instead they had 10-foot-tall Alicia Fox. She's still not cleared, by the way. Okay, well, that's why they had Alicia Fox, I think, do a backstage schmoz wearing, uh, what, 18-inch heels, it looked like, out she there. She huge. She looked like Andre the Giant, standing next to Trish and Lita. So my gut tells me that they have her plan for the backup spot if Alexa's not yes. cleared, and that's why they did that schmoz with her, so they have that. Then they have the six-women tag match, which makes zero sense, with Sasha, Bailey, and Natalia against the Riot Squad, and then they're doing the Battle Royal for a future title shot. So they basically told... Sasha, Bailey, Natalia, and the Riot Squad. Don't worry about being in an, essentially a number one contender match. Go do your meaningless six-man tag. That doesn't mean shit. Or six-woman tag, sorry. That doesn't mean shit. Uh, and then when you look at the Battle Royal, if you want to decide who's not going to win, Sean, if you want to pick who will not win the Battle Royal, how about Kelly Kelly, Ivory, Tori Wilson, Maria Kanellis, Alundra Blaze, Michelle McCool, or Molly Holly? 
all of the veterans they're bringing I think in. Michelle McCool's going to win it. You're not serious. She's the Royal Rumble eliminations leader right now. And y- you know how you make Ronda Rousey an underdog, Jimmy? You have Michelle McCool, the big six-foot-tall Michelle McCool, wife of The Undertaker, and her returning buddy Layla. You know up on Ronda Rousey. You know it would be fun? It'd be fun if you got Travis Brown in one corner and Taker in the other one. Oh, man. That'd be fun because, let's be honest, Taker's like Ed, 52. Edmund is still coaching Travis Brown, I'm taking Undertaker. Say that again? If Edmund Tiverdian is still coaching Travis Brown, I'm taking The Undertaker. Is Edmund still like, coaching him? Plastic hip and all. I don't know that he's still coaching. Yeah. Period. Yeah, 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 yeah. He lost his meal ticket. Funny. His meal tickets all left. Yeah. He had meal tickets, then he ruined their careers, then they all left. <laughs> yeah. Now, one little funny side note about Evolution, and particularly about that main event. Now, I know that I, I kind of use Nikki Bella for, you know, jokes and fun and cannon fodder on the show sometimes. Sure. Uh, but when she does things to herself, I have to, Sean. You know what I'm saying? When she's doing promos telling Ronda Rousey, if you ever want to learn how to run companies, if you ever want to, you know, tips on writing a book kind of thing, when stuff like that comes up, I have to play off of it. And that leads me to this next one. So Ronda posted this on Twitter. This is a tale of the tape that she posted on Twitter between herself and Nikki Bella. Nigel, you got that ready? Yep. All right, this is where Ronda posted. One week away, blah, 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 blah. It's got their age, height, from, win percentage. Now, I want you to pay attention to the win-loss record there, Sean. Oh, wow. You see that? Now, it's very clear by looking at that. WLD, wins, losses, draws. They got Ronda at 24-0. They got Nikki Bella, which I'm sure is all made up anyway, but they got Nikki Bella at 337 wins, 222 losses, and three draws. So this is what Ronda posted. Nikki Bella... And I'm sure it was a work, and I'm sure it's just for fun, and it's storyline related. Nikki had to retort to this little thing, and here's what she put up. And again, when she does stuff like this, I have to have fun and make fun. Go ahead, Nigel. Put up Nikki's thing. Wow, 24 matches. 337 matches, Sean. So Nikki saw that tale of the tape and couldn't comprehend in her brain that the 337 was related to wins and not matches. I'd like to ask her, so what does the 22 represent? The 222, and what does the 3 represent? But that's what she posted, 337 matches. And here we go again, runs two companies, has two hit shows, plus a successful YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. I see stuff like this. How can I not poke fun at Nikki Bella, man? How can you not do it? You know? Also, I love how they they only put her WWE record, Ronda Rousey's WWE record in there, because you can't dare have a two next to no. Ronda Rousey's no, 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 loss no, no, no. record. No. It was dumb all around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and it was essentially pointless. And you think that somebody would tell Nikki Bella, because let's be honest, if we're just calling a spade a spade, Nikki does not come off like the most intelligent of people on television. Let's be honest, right? You think that somebody would have told her, Psst, that's not matches. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're putting this post on social media to make yourself look good talking about running companies and stuff, but you're too dim-witted to figure out what that number represents. you think somebody would have told her so she could have wiped that tweet out, but they didn't. It was, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Taking, taking a lot of L's, as her record shows. <laughs> Impact Wrestling has been taking a lot of L's lately, but not Johnny Impact. He's the new Impact World Champion. Go ahead and check out my discussion with him. 
it meant a lot. It was it was fun. It, re- it reminds me of you know old school OVW, James Moore, Conway, Capitelli, Chris Cage, Jenny Beaver, the old school days. They did, yeah. And um, I uh, I I know that uh, that Al Snow took over OVW. Um, Tom Dreamer was down there for the thousandth episode, and um, they're they're doing some good stuff down there. Um, man, <laughs> it's, it's all it's still a tough for me to talk about Matt a little bit because he uh, to this day is one of the best people that I've met in the business and um, he was my first best friend in the wrestling business we, we, we both uh, were the co-winners of Tough Enough 3 we moved to Louisville together on the same day we lived together when we first started and um, he was the one guy that I would open up to about anything that was bothering me in wrestling <laughs> And there's a lot of stuff that bothers you in wrestling because it's not easy. And you know, one of my favorite things about him is uh, it didn't matter how crappy practice was or how slow we were, how much his knees hurt or how much uh, my ankle hurt, whatever. I feel like we'd get into his Jeep and he'd throw on some classic rock, something like uh, Head East going down for the last time, something like that. And uh, he was so positive and happy that it made it really affected me, it made me positive and happy. And I feel like that's something that I've carried with me since the day that I met him. Short clip. Okay. We are back. John Morrison, Johnny Impact, talking Matt Capitelli, OVW reveals that he was actually contacted for OVW 1000. Uh, more of that over on our YouTube. Thumbs up, subscribe. I was looking at our analytics. Like half of our views are people that don't subscribe. What are you all doing? <laughs> how are you all stumbling upon us? If you are and you don't subscribe, I want to know how. So let's talk about Dirty Dick Slater. Oh, wow. He just passed away at the age of 67. A lot of our listeners might not be too familiar with him. He was a big star in the 70s and 80s, particularly with uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and in Mid-South. My first exposure to him, I guess, unfortunately, Sean, was in WWE in 86 when they brought him in as the Rebel Dick Slater. And do you remember back then when they had enhancement guys and they were kind of like upper echelon enhancement guys? So they would get in offense in matches, but then they would lose. So they had like Outback Jack doing that, and they had Iron Mike Sharp and Tiger Chung Lee and different guys. They were enhancement guys. They'd get in a few moves. Maybe they'd get a near fall, and then they'd lose. That's essentially what they brought in the Rebel Dick Slater for in WWE, and that was my first exposure to him. It wasn't until later on with the magic of videotape I was able to see how he was. Um, I didn't hear about how he passed. I heard that they think it might have been heart-related. And uh, he had fallen on hard times in recent years. Back in 2004, he was convicted of assaulting his girlfriend, he got one year of house arrest, two years probation. He'd been off the radar for quite a while, but in his day, he was one of those, you know, 80s, no-nonsense, tough, serious type of pro wrestlers, like a Harley Race-style yeah. pro wrestler. That's how he was, and you'd hear stories about him getting into bar fights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It is terrible, and it's like we went from Roman Reigns to Samu to Impact talking about Capitelli to Dick Slater, man, it's it, the thing is, what gets me is you just never know, and you got to value, you got to value what's around you, and take care of yourself the best you can. I mean, for sure, for sure. Sad. Well, let's go, let's go on to some potentially positive news. Mm-hmm. Daniel Cormier, 
Uh, I think that even our wrestling uh, listeners know who that is. He's the current UFC heavyweight champion. He should be the current UFC light heavyweight champion. But Dana White's got a thing about guys holding two belts and, oh, you can't defend them both on the same night. I'm going to strip you of one of those belts. He's still the champion right now. Is he still a fit? Okay, so I heard that Jones and Gustafson was for the title. It is, but they never strip the people anymore until that fight actually happens. So it would be the interim then? Jones and Uh, Gustafson? it'll become the championship as soon as they get in the cage and fight. Okay. Okay. Anyway... In case, the, in case the fight gets canceled, then they don't want to have stripped Daniel Cormier for no reason. All right. So he is a longtime wrestling fan, uh, very intelligent guy, very well-spoken. He's already a broadcaster with Fox uh, doing UFC coverage. He did a media scrum in Vegas this week because uh, he's got a fight coming up November 3rd at UFC 230, and it's a last-minute fight that uh, they put together because uh, UFC 230 is going to be at Madison Square Garden. They were having all kinds of issues getting a main event for that show. So they kind of did this fight, Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis, last minute. Here's a quote from DC that he said at the media scrum in Vegas. He said, if I didn't have this fight, I've been talking to WWE because they wanted me to go in and do an audition as a member of the commentary team. Because of the fight, I had to push it back. There may be some DC and WWE shit coming. After the fight, I'll go to Orlando and I'll do my tryout. Uh, Dave Meltzer reports that Fox wants DC, and of course Fox has the relationship with him, right? Fox wants DC to be part of the SmackDown broadcast team. To me, this makes all the sense in the world to do this. Because for one thing, uh, they're not moving to uh, uh, Fox until next October, October of 2019. By then, DC is probably going to be retired from the cage. So he's going to be available. That's number one. Number two. And will probably actually be on ESPN because he's actually contracted through UFC, not through Fox. That was a part of the big controversy in Ariel Hawani working for Fox is that UFC actually signed his contract. So or uh, paid him right. So that that will be interesting. But yeah, sorry to sorry to interrupt. No, no. But but anyway, so he'll be retired. He's already got a relationship with Fox. He knows the WWE product. Like he knows his stuff when it comes to pro wrestling. He has a built-in fan base because everybody knows who Daniel Cormier is. And on top of that, he's Daniel Cormier, the former UFC at that time heavyweight champion. The storyline is ready to go, Sean. You know what I'm saying? And you can't tell me that DC wouldn't love to get in there. If they uh, if they get the right story together, so I think it makes perfect sense, and I hope it happens. And I think it will likely happen, and I think he'd be a good addition. I think he's been a great addition to the UFC's booth as well, and he he drops pro wrestling references all the time. We spoke about it on this podcast almost any time he's brought up. When we had Joe, Mike Straw, and Brandon Howard at UFC 210 in Buffalo, he was basically sucked out and dry and dehydrated from this weight cut miserable not happy not not wanting to talk about anything brandon howard brings up wrestlemania and daniel cormier rattles off gate numbers yeah oh yeah and i and i'm like man we, we might get daniel cormier to write for us yeah well. for, forget brandon howard <laughs> All respect to him welcome back by the way but daniel uh, cormier knows his stuff and I'm, I'm really really glad and with the rumors that ufc or that fox rather wants a more sport presentation of smackdown it makes a lot of sense to me. It does. It does. I think he'd be a great fit. And, uh, and he knows a lot of the guys already. Him and Seth Rollins are really tight. So it, it wouldn't be a far stretch for him to be there. Let's talk about Aralucha. Oh, boy. How, how about... You know, I, I told you. Jeez. What the hell is that? What I, I just got attacked by the Ultimate Warrior. Oh, 
my god! I just got attacked! I got hit from behind by the ultimate warrior! <laughs> hit from behind! Now, was that, was that the ultimate warrior hitting me, or was that James Ellsworth hitting the ultimate warrior and knocking the ultimate warrior into me? Remarkably in character for James Helwig. He sees us sympathizing with people who have cancer. <laughs> okay. And he's got oh, Sean, Sean. I got some of the warrior's hair. I don't know if you can see it on camera right there. <laughs> oh, the hair so, do you do you think that was the warrior jumping me, or do you think it was Ellsworth jumping the warrior who then fell into me? I don't know. Oh, oh my gosh. Now see, I am on a delay. <laughs> yeah, you are on I a delay. I see Nigel right now, so I don't see this yeah. until. It happens on the screen. My God! Yeah, we got to get this delay sorted out. I told Nigel to get a new computer. Warrior, you crazy, insane asshole! What are you doing? Anyway, before before I was attacked from behind by the Ultimate Warrior, we were going to talk about Era Lucha. And uh, for any new listeners that we might have that weren't around last October, we got to give you just a little bit of a backstory about Era Lucha because this thing is comical to me. I'm not pissed off as a part owner and investor, Sean, at all. It's comical. So last October, Ron and Don Harris, a lot of people I think know them. They were the twins. What were they, the Blue Brothers, Sean, in WWE? DOA. DOA, right. The Nazi twins. Yeah, yeah. So they founded Aero Lucha along with a guy by the name of Jason Brown. Jason Brown is the CEO. Uh, He claims to be an entrepreneur who started over 10 companies and produced two feature films. And he actually has that little blurb on the Aero Lucha website. And I love guys whenever they post that bullshit where they're like kind of bragging about themselves. But that's what he that's what he has. So they started this thing. It was clear to me that they were trying to emulate the Lucha Underground business model. Uh, And it was clear to me, my opinion, that they did it because they were thinking they could get a rights fees deal because the XFL at that time was making the news, right? And everybody was talking about how, oh, the XFL, they're going to be able to get a rights fee deal because live content now and sports content is in so much demand. So my opinion is that Ron and Don Harris and Jason Brown thought it's so easy to launch a wrestling promotion and have a television network just wanting to basically throw money at you. And so they created this thing. You and I kind of poked fun at it from the very beginning because I thought it was just never going to work. Uh, not to say that they're done yet, but that was, that was always my opinion. They announced at the, at, the, at the date of launch that Rey Mysterio and Conan both had ownership stake, which I'm sure was given to them. Uh, they filmed the TV pilot last December in Nashville that hasn't really gone anywhere. They used some of the footage for promo videos and stuff like that. They did a crowdfunding investment deal where they claimed that they raised two, one of two numbers. Because if you go on the Aralucha website, Sean, in different areas, they have two different numbers posted. One of the numbers is $129,216. The other number is $519,216. Uh, and I always thought that that whole thing was suspect because you needed to hit a minimum threshold in order to get the money. And when they launched this thing, it was very slow. There was nobody contributing to this thing. And next thing you know, they got one big uh, contribution that put them over the threshold. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember I hit up Jason Brown at the time, basically saying straight up that I called bullshit because somebody must have given them that because there was some money there that they wouldn't have been able to get. So I figured somebody threw something in to get all the money and he, uh, he denied it and said, oh, no, 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 we've got some big corporate uh, partners that have come in and they believe in us and it's a legit- legitimate contribution. That happened. Then after heavily promoting Rey Mysterio as the face, he has now left... 
gone back to WWE. Uh, they were going to do a season one television taping in June. It's now October. That hasn't happened. Then, uh, Fightful.com, Sean, myself, and I guess you and everybody involved with Fightful.com, we invested the minimum to get merch, is what we did. And when I found out, oh, hey, if you invest like 250 bucks, you get a, a Lucha mask and a t-shirt, I said, cool, let's invest the yeah, minimum. The huh? Yeah, the hell we have. Yeah. So that was supposed to be shipped in June. It's now October. I haven't seen shit. So there's another problem. Now, a few days ago, Jason Brown, the CEO, he posted a video on their Facebook page. Uh, and here's what he said. And I was going to post the video and I thought, I'm not even going to bother. But here's what he said. He said, yeah. he said that they just took a meeting in L.A. regarding TV production. And here's a great quote, Sean. A great quote. He said, right now is kind of a slow time. So you may not hear a lot over the next couple months. Mm. Isn't that positive reinforcement? And, well, it sounds great. Yeah, and then he said that they're preparing for a January 2019 launch, even though they were going to do their TV taping in June. So I think this thing is dead in the water, most likely. Maybe they'll put some money into a TV taping, and then they'll try to pedal it around like Jeff did with uh, Global Force Wrestling. I don't see it going anywhere. They're going to take my 250 bucks because I'm not expecting a mask or a T-shirt at this point. It was not going to work, and that's why we kind of poked fun at it and crapped all over it. People think that these television networks, Sean, are just sitting on money, just begging somebody to let them write them a check. It's not that simple. Remember you said that there was a guy last week that said to you, oh, hey, if you can't do Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, just find a billionaire in the U.S. and have him give you $45 million. Yes. It's not that easy. It's not? It's not. And I I think they figured that out, and uh, I just don't expect it's going to go anywhere. That's basically it. Well, uh, Andrew Thompson, who I've told you is... Quite frankly, one of the already one of the better wrestling writers, period, and we have him. Reach out to Jason Brown about Rey Mysterio's status. He said, quote, We always had open discussions with Rey, and he informed us that he wanted to join Era Lucha and see it succeed, but that he always wanted to end his career at the WWE. At the time of our initial conversation, there was no discussion with WWE or a timeline, so we all thought it could be two or three years before he decided to go back. Ray continues to hold stock in the company, and we are a place that he can return to and help outside of WWE. We want what is best for Ray, and the opportunity for him to return happened a lot faster than any of us predicted, including Ray. Our relationship with Ray is good, and we will continue to grow the brand while he is away. We are different than WWE, and there are special reasons why Ray found Aralucha interesting. He said something in the We Funder video, something to the effect that he loved Aralucha because it was 100% Lucha, and for the Lucha fans, that's what makes us different and unique, end quote. Great work, Andrew Thompson. Uh, great spin. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill from jason brown because horse shit there is no way they didn't hit up ray and say hey do you want to pretend to be one of our investors aka the face of our company didn't know he was returning they'd been trying to get him to return since january for a while yeah i i think that they i think they gave him stake for free 
I think that when they did the pilot, they paid him his, his usual booking to do the pilot. Uh, and I think that Ray probably, I mean, it's not like he had any money in it anyway. It's no skin off his back. But, uh, ah, whatever. This, the, these things come up. And, and this is why we used to make a lot of fun of Jeff Jarrett with Global Force Wrestling. Because, again, it's, you can't just think, I'm going to put on a show, I'm going to tape it, and then I'm going to go to the networks, and they're all going to be clamoring to cut me a check. It's just not that easy. And especially in the corporate world, it's just not that easy. And I, I, that's just my opinion. Again, I think Ron and Don Harris and Jason Brown thought that's what was going to happen, and it wasn't going to happen. And there is no more appropriate segue after a story like that than to say, let's go to stupid people. <laughs> This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay, thanks to TrevorStrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. And when we're done this, go to FightfulSelect.com. we got three more for you under, uh, what do we call it again? Stupid People Extended. Stupid People Extended. <laughs> That's what we call it. <laughs> go there to get those. So once again, okay, i got to tell you, not that I want to, you know, cut ahead or whatever, this is going to be one of the great SRS file stories, I think, in my opinion. And I think that you are going to find it hilarious, Sean. But we'll get there in a minute. This first one, this was reported by the Irish Times on October 22nd. And this one is indicative of issues with the judicial system. And I love having a guy like Nigel in here for this story because you're going to love this one, all right? Sweet. So eight years ago, Sean, there was a 13-year-old girl in Dublin named Rebecca Kelly, okay? Okay. In Dublin, they called their their subway trains trams, okay? And she decided to tram surf. So she waited until the train was leaving the station, and when the train was leaving the station, she ran and jumped and grabbed onto the side of the subway train. Yeah, brilliant. All right? She lost her grip, she fell, she hit her head, uh, and she suffered a little bit of, of, of uh, brain damage. Nothing serious. She's got some cognitive impairment, and she's got some, uh, some uh, memory issues or whatnot. Her mother, on her behalf, decided to sue the subway developers for 4 million euros. And Nigel's already got his hands in the air. She decided to sue the subway developers for 4 million euros. And it just came out this week that somehow, some way, she oh, was. Really? Somehow, some way, she was awarded 550,000 euros. What? Yes, she was awarded 500. <laughs> Nigel's losing his shit. She was awarded 550,000 euros. And the kicker to this whole thing, okay, is that as part of this whole court case that went on in Dublin, Rebecca Kelly, who is now, what, 21, admitted that the accident was her fault and that she shouldn't have jumped onto the side of the goddamn train, Sean. I want to check so bad. I just don't want to do something stupid enough to yep. get one. She, uh, she claims, or, or, or the claim when they went after the developers, is that they didn't have an adequate camera on the non-platform side of the train to see when she jumped on the side of the thing. My answer to that is, what if they did? The thing would have happened so fast, even if they see her jump on it. How is that going to prevent a problem? This is one of the most ludicrous, stupid things. I cannot believe that she was awarded anything. I can't believe that she wanted 4 million euros, and she somehow, someway got 550,000 euros. Utter nonsense. What do you think of that, Nigel? Um, I, I, isn't that, isn't that I mind-blowing? I would have fought it hard. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm wondering if maybe the, the developers just thought, oh, this is bad PR. We just want it to go away. Maybe. Yeah. 
You but know? did they they did they settle or did they was she awarded it? She was awarded it. So they didn't oh. e- they didn't even settle. So then they they must have gone to court. They no, did they didn't. Try. They did go to court. Yeah, they wow. did go to court. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. Unbelievable. That's just kind of like the world we're living in now, man. This next one, this is a good one, and this really happened. I I do my due diligence on this stuff, <laughs> and this is real. All right. This was reported by the BBC on October 23rd. This is really good. So six men walked into an electronic cigarette shop in Belgium. Okay? It almost sounds like a joke, I was right? just going to say, it sounds yeah, like a good yeah. setup. Well, it's pretty close. So six guys walk into an e-cigarette shop in Belgium. They tell the owner of the shop, give us your money. They demand the money. They're going to rob the place. All right? The owner of the shop says, look, it's early in the day. You know, haven't got a lot of sales come in yet. I don't have any money. Come back later, and I'll have two or 3,000 euros for you. Guys leave. Owner calls police. Says, hey, guess what? These six guys just showed up here demanding money, and I told them to come back later. The police told the owner of the shop, ah, they're not going to come back. No one's that stupid. They're not yeah. going to come back. Later in the day, 5.30, later in the day, they come back. And the owner of the shop says, our the hours of operation are still going on. There's still people coming and going. You don't want to be seen. Come back in like an hour. I've got more money now. Come back in like an hour and I'll take care of you. They leave. He calls police. An hour, yeah. an hour later, they come back. Oh, no. And they All got arrested. Them. Yes. So, All of them. Yes. So All six of them. Five. Five. Okay, five. five of them. Yes. Might as well have been six. Might as well have been six. Different. Yeah. All five of them. They came back. Came back twice, and at not one point did they think, you know, maybe this is a setup. Right. Maybe this isn't the wisest work. idea. Maybe this oh, isn't the best thing man. that I could do. Rivals, r- Nigel's rubbing his eyes right now, <laughs> dealing with stories like this. So they arrested five guys, including one minor. Uh, a member of the local police did an interview with the BBC, and they said these are the dumbest robbers in Belgium history, in their opinion, that these guys did this. Yeah, oh, I, I would say so. Yep, and that's what happened. Easily among the dumbest I've ever heard. Yeah, among the dumbest. Like, could you imagine if every heist movie was based off of these clowns? Yeah. <laughs> what these guys need to do, Sean, is they need to run and jump on the side of a train yeah. and then sue the developer for liability. That's what they need yeah. to do. This Heat would have lasted four minutes with these guys. <laughs> that ain't a three-hour movie. That's for damn sure. This last one is for the SRS file. This is good, man. This was reported by Post Media on October 17th. So have you heard of Fendi, the Italian designer? Fendi? Yes, I have. Okay, I'm not a big design guy. I wear hoodies and cargo pants and stuff. But uh, so Fendi released a new shawl. uh, And it features a brown fox fur lining. And it retails for 990 U.S. dollars. All right? In Canada, it's like 1,200 bucks Canadian, this thing. This thing went viral. And not only did it go viral, but it sold out online. (laughs) <laughs> Any idea why a shawl from Fendi uh, uh, with a price tag of $990, and you better not be Googling it, sold out no, online, Sean? Did it have gold in it or something? Post a photo of it, Nigel. It looks like I a vagina. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll have to wait and see. Oh, because you're on delay, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, my God! <laughs> 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 I gotta say that that delay. So Nigel just put up the other one. So they have other colors, and surprisingly enough, the blue one is still available. That one didn't Whoa. sell out. 
But the pink what one, hell? the pink one is gone. It is gone. God damn, if I wrestle as a heel, I gotta get that thing. Now, for audio-only listeners that just didn't see that, it's a it's a, a shawl that looks like a vagina, and to make it even better, Fendi calls it the touch of fur shawl. Touch of fur. <laughs> That's what they call it. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Man. If you wanted to get the blue one, if anybody's interested in the blue one, go to farfetch.com. They're the retailer online for it. But the pink one is gone. Plug at them. Ah, because it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. The hell? You're not paying us anything. Yeah, but you know what? If somebody wants, if somebody's got the balls to sell a vagina shawl. Yeah, I mean, come on now. We've got Fightful Select to push and all right, all this stuff. I'd rather them give us a nine hundred dollars super chat than buy a vag costume. Fair. Okay, you know what? If we can get $900 worth of Super Chats, I will look for and buy one of those shawls, and I will wear it on the podcast, Sean. (laughs) But you know what? Seeing a thing like that might get you a little excited, but you're you're not just going to be able to attack that outfit. You're not going to be able to do it yourself. You're going to need some help, Jimmy, from BlueChew.com. Our buddies at BlueChew.com are here to help you. They can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed or in the shawl. <laughs> That's like the color blue. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. They are prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, no more awkwardness, and they're not $900. In fact, you can get your first shipment free by using the code FIGHTFUL. You just pay $5 shipping. We, Our homeboys are much more affordable. You can, you can get inside the shawl, as they say, way cheaper. You know, it's kind of ironic that they have the blue shawl for blue chew, Sean. And you know what? They could go Son together. Son of a bitch, man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> what, what else do I have to say? Do you know how hard it was for me to not completely distastefully transition out of dirty dicks hard times? <laughs> it was very difficult. I'm glad you refrained. I'm glad. Yeah, it was not easy. That was for the best. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about NWA 70, and then I want to talk about posturing, because it all kind of goes together. So NWA 70, I have not seen the show yet. Was it good? In ring, yes. Yeah, I heard there was production issues, and Billy Corrigan addressed them. Yeah, and I, I was able to find out a little bit more. They Apparently, the, the people who did production kind of talked themselves up a little bit oh. and weren't prepared for what what they were going to do. They just weren't prepared, and... Uh, NWA was not happy about that, obviously. They should have hit up Ron and Don Harris. I mean, they were doing Impact stuff, and they got Aero Lucha sitting around doing nothing. They would have been available. Yeah, they they basically, uh, there was an audio tech that just wasn't very good, and they didn't know until afterwards. But yeah, Ron and Don Harris, man. So I was quite surprised that Cody dropped the NWA title to Nick Aldis. I didn't really see that coming. You can tell now in, in hindsight that it was kind of like a one you know, a, a deal, yes. win it, lose it. I thought because of Jarrett's involvement in the show that they were going to build the Cody versus Jarrett, 
so I was surprised that it went the way it did. I say kudos to Cody for using, you know, whatever rub he can to help get the NWA over. But now that that show is out of the way, oh, we should talk about it, the Crockett Cup. I'm excited. They're bringing it back, the Crockett Cup. So I put out a video. It's on our Fightful Pro Wrestling channel right now from that podcast. I did a full live show afterwards. Check it out, guys. But Road Warrior Animal announced the Crockett Cup. Now, this is good. They they put over Crimson and Jax Dane. It's their new Road Warriors, whatever. Uh, not a big deal. But they actually had a team that had these tag titles and had them stripped. And they're four-time NWA tag champions. I would imagine, it's just my speculation, they'll probably be in it. They're not going to win it. But mm-hmm. I don't doubt that Dave Lagana can tell an incredible story about these guys who were four-time tag champions and then just had them stripped. Whenever the, the new regime came in, there are teams you can bring in, especially especially with wrestling the way it is now. Sure. I mean, LAX, the, the OGs essentially, Homicide and Hernandez, they're former NWA tag champions. You can dig up Christopher or Chris, yeah, Chris Harris, wherever he's at. Mm-hmm. Imagine AMW back in that thing. They're former NWA tag champions. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with them. I could, easy, I could even see them bringing in guys like the Briscoes because they've already been doing the, these talent yeah. exchanges and stuff like that. So I could see that happen. Now now that this uh, show's out of the way and Cody dropped the title, now the posturing is starting to happen. Yeah. Uh, and there's a couple of examples of it. So this first one, this was from Cody Rhodes. He posted it on Instagram on October 23rd. Put that up, Nigel. Sure. I'm not going to read the entire thing, just the, the, the end of it. He said, as I begin to a transition to a new role in pro wrestling, I hope all the fans who've discovered the NWA recently stay on board and continue to watch the likes of Nick Aldis, Avalon, Willie Mack, Jazz, and many more. As I continue my remaining dates with the good folks at Ring of Honor, I'd like to thank them and the NWA for allowing me to cross imaginary lines and give the fans something special. So listen to that as I continue my remaining dates. He's, he's definitely uh, doing some posturing. Now let's move on to Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks. He was asked by a fan on Twitter, what is his tag team dream match? And here is his response. Put that up, Nigel. He said, the Young Bucks versus the Usos or the Elite versus the New Day. That is absolute posturing. That's what it is. Now, obviously, you and I, we are not privy to contract negotiations. We're not privy to dollar figures unless it becomes public afterwards. So I can only go just based on pure speculation. My gut tells me still that Cody and the Bucks are not going to go to WWE, but my gut tells me Omega might. I think Omega's in a position because he always stayed away from the promoting the way they did. He stayed away from you know being so heavy and making his own merch as they did. Yeah. Uh, I think Omega, there's a good chance. He's in his mid to late 30s now. I think he's going to consider it. I don't think Cody and the Bucks are. I think that they want to do another all-in show. Uh, the Bucks are so heavy into being the elite and, and their own merch and all that. I don't see them wanting to give that up. I guess we'll see, but that's my opinion. Well, Kenny is the IWGP heavyweight champion right now, so how that all pans out over the next few months will be really indicative. Cody also, somebody asked him about Bullet Club, and he said, nope, that's Jay's thing now. Had a lot of fun in there, met a lot of great people, indicating that he was no longer in Bullet Club, and it's Switchblade Jay White's deal. Uh, yeah, and then you had the rumors, the unfounded rumors of Chris Jericho and Jim Ross starting their own promotion. That's on my list, man. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, boy, do I have something to tell you during one of the audio segments that I can't say on the air. But I did reach out to Access immediately, and they were just right out of the gate. Nope, not doing it. Chris Jericho joked about it, and I spoke to somebody very close to the situation who 
sort of answered my question in the form of a question and just like why would they so why would the elite group do that after all in why do they need to hook up with anybody nigel put up jericho's uh tweet because we have that he said i'm starting my own wrestling company awesome i'm also starting my own movie studio with lady gaga my own car wash with bono and my own bake shop um my question for Rob you Man would for sure go in with him on a bake, on the bake shop. shop yeah yeah, Sean, uh, Sean Morley would too. Uh, let me ask you this question, and I'm going to be frank with you because you're the manager editor of Fightful. Why did we report on this? Because when I heard this rumor that Jericho and Jim Ross were launching a wrestling promotion, I called bullshit instantly. Like, why did we report on this? Because I got a quote from Access. Oh, okay, so you wanted to deny the rumor. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I wanted to put their part out there. If there's something out there that I think is just completely ridiculous and... I'm able to get one of the parties to comment on the record about it and access. Uh, I have a good relationship with access. I, I talk to them about stuff all the time about their their wrestling uh, ventures. Then we're able to put that out there and we're able to do that. Yeah. The website that rep- that that broke that story. Uh, how have they handled the repercussions of this? Because to me, this is one of the most ludicrous. This this to me is right up there with Hulk Hogan announcing that he's going to join 205 Live. I wouldn't know. I don't go to that site very often. Um, I think the one person that we aggregate news from there is Damon Martin, who was a respected MMA journalist, but uh, he rarely writes for them, maybe once every, once or twice every couple months. Okay. So maybe we need to start pulling, stop pulling news from that particular outlet. Oh, I didn't pull news from that outlet. We didn't run that story at all until we had the access quote. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this question. How weird would it be if it was announced that Ring of Honor is trading the Young Bucks to WWE for the Usos? How weird would it be if a story like that broke? Hey, guess what? Ring of Honor and WWE, they've worked out a trade, and Ring of Honor is going to trade the Young Bucks for the, uh, for the Usos. Wouldn't that be so ludicrous? It'd be right up there with Jericho's going to start a wrestling company. Don't you think? Yeah, that's pretty wild. So it broke today, October 24th, that the UFC, and I know this is not an MMA podcast, but this could potentially have repercussions in pro wrestling. The UFC and uh, One Championship, which is another MMA promotion, are actually working on a trade, which is unprecedented, something I've never heard of before, where the UFC is going to potentially trade Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest of all time, 2-1 for Ben Askren, who's undefeated and, and a hell of a fighter, but he hasn't gone to the UFC before. Uh, this broke today, and I, I was talking to Sean about it, saying, how is this even possible when these guys are contracted? And you said that as part of the arrangement, the fighters would have to essentially be released from their contracts and then sign with the new promotion. I hear that, and I think to myself, this could lead to all kinds of fuckery. This could lead to a oh, yeah. third-party promotion jumping in and scooping one of these guys up. I told Sean off there, this reminds me of Brian Pillman, when he was somehow able to convince Eric Bischoff to release him as part of a gimmick and then jump to WWE. Uh, it's so un- unusual that something like this would happen, you know? Do you remember, I think it was 2002, and I was not in the wrestling media game. I've not went into extensive fact-checking on this, but I remember reading online, and back then things were a lot more difficult to verify than they are now where you can reach out to somebody in a moment, but I remember when the, the WWA was a thing, and it was uh, before TNA, after WCW. Yeah, it was Tito Santana, right? And Sergeant Slaughter and Missy Hyatt? 
Uh, hell, I don't remember who. World Wrestling All Stars. It, it was an Australian oh, gimmick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was McManus. There you go. Yeah. And they had the the Perry Saturn Scott Steiner Godfather situation where Scott Steiner was supposed to work a WWE tour, but signed with WWE. So I think WWE ended up letting Godfather work those dates or Saturn or something like that. I mean, that might be. One of the closest. I mean, there have been like one night deals and stuff made, like Christian for Ric Flair for Impact and WWE. But man, I joked with you off the air. I'm like, I'm an independent contractor. So when I think of this, I'm like, man, like you, I, I couldn't imagine being traded to somewhere like that without having that conversation, that consent. And I'm sure Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson has had that discussion because Matt Hume is in the one office, one championship office. Ben Askren holds an office job at one. So, I mean, they're, they're very aware of oh, what's sure. going on. And sure. UFC might be shit-canning the 125 division by the looks of it. If they're getting rid of Demetrius Johnson, I don't know why you even continue it, even with Cejudo. I mean, again, if, just... I'm, if I'm Bellator, if I'm Scott Coker, and again, I don't want to talk too much MMA because some, a lot of our listeners don't know MMA, but if Bellator is another promotion that rivals the UFC... If I'm Scott Coker, their promoter, I'm paying yeah. close attention to this. And if I hear anything about Mighty Mouse has been released from his contract because that's part of the deal to get him to go to one, I'm jumping in there quick. I'm trying to sneak in immediately. Oh, absolutely. I would do that in a second. He's, in a not second. A game changer. he's not a game changer for the UFC, but he's a game changer for what Bellator does. Absolutely. absolutely. And not only that, but you imagine, because they'd screw up that whole deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. So. And- I mentioned to you off the air, like, why wouldn't Demetrius Johnson be like, maybe I can make money, more money in Ryzen. Maybe I can do it here. We'll see. But, I mean, it is related to wrestling because you're dealing with independent contractors. Very unusual. And, and again, as ludicrous as it sounds, it would be exactly like Ring of Honor trading the Young Bucks to WWE for the Usos. It'd be the exact same thing. Do you think it opens up any of those doors? Because, I mean, it's... Mm. No, because I, quite honestly, I think that WWE right now, especially what we're hearing about New Japan and how the new regime has soured some guys, WWE's in the driver's seat. They have so much money. They can have whoever. I mean, let's be honest. Even if Cody and the Bucks are happy with what they're doing, WWE, if they wanted to, and I'm not saying they will, but if they wanted to, they could tell Cody $4 million. Yeah. You know what I mean? They could do it. They've got the money to do it. If they just wanted to screw with Ring of Honor before that MSG show, they could do it. And do you think Cody Rhodes is going to pass up that regardless of how he's doing independently? There is no chance that he would ever pass Correct. that yeah. up. So they could do it Spe- if they wanted. Speaking of new regimes, Johnny Impact in at Impact Wrestling under the Don Callis, Scott Demore regime. Here's some more of my conversation with him. I mean, they're, they're very different. Um like uh, the show's fundamentally. So I think uh, my experience in wrestling and on Tough Enough in general has helped as as anyone's life experience on Survivor helps. You know, um, if, you're, if you're a doctor or an engineer or, or a, a, a police officer, everyone has a, a certain background and a certain set of skills to bring to the table. For me, um, negotiating the... Uh, the business of professional wrestling, I feel like, is, is what helped me the most. More so than being on a tough enough prior to Survivor. You know what? Everyone, I, I, I cleared my schedule, and um, everyone was supportive, and I felt like pretty happy 
that I was doing something. There's a lot of people that watch Survivor and a lot of Survivor fans. And um, that's, that's something that is, is true about the Impact Office. <laughs> um, I definitely, uh, every time I, I, I come to work and um, everyone's asking me what happened, I can't say anything. But um, a lot of people are, are watching and uh, it's cool. You know, it's, it's it's cool to be a part of something like Survivor that is a mainstay of American pop culture. It's something that I watched season one of and um, has been around for so long. It's, it's cool to get on the other side and experience it. <laughs> no one gets survivor scoops. That's, that's <laughs> Trust me. There's a there's a, some ironclad MBAs that everyone finds. They're like, yeah. I think you have to chop off your left arm if you give away a, a secret. <laughs> yeah, they're not messing around at all. You know, also survivor scoops would be a very tough job. <laughs> and we are back. That interview up in parts on uh, Fightful's YouTube. Make sure you all subscribe to our MMA and boxing YouTube as well. I went live with a discussion about the Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson Ben Askren trade. And I'm going live there very often. I'm doing that a lot more on this wrestling channel as well. Uh, We're really expanding. I'm pretty excited. I'm happy to report that I was not injured following that run-in by the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, (laughs) But but speaking of run-ins... Now, I am not a big basketball fan, Sean. I know that you've been joking about, uh, oh, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should <laughs> give a Raptors up. Fan. Yeah, you're like, maybe I should give up my allegiance to the Bulls and become a Raptors fan because I know the Raptors are doing very well, even though I think Leonard will be one and done. But yeah, that, uh, that's why. That's why I'm going to give it a little time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're they're doing. I think they're undefeated, right? Yes, they are. So they're doing well. Even though I'm not a big basketball fan, I think that Damian Lillard from the yeah. Portland Trailblazers. Might be my new favorite player in the NBA at least this week. After I That's saw fantastic. after I saw this video that the Trailblazers posted on their Twitter, Nigel's got it. Put that video up, uh, Nigel. I love how he, I love how he did the little. You see that? The walk. And no, but he also did the little head nod. I thought yeah, that was yeah, yeah. really good. That was really cool. And Steve Austin, that little self promoter, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not only did he like that video, but the bastard retweeted it to Bleacher Report because yeah. Stone Cold's thinking, you know. So I thought that was cool. And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know who Damian Lillard was. Oh, not a not a big basketball fan, but I thought the video was awesome, and so I wanted to put that up there. Yeah, one of the best point guards in the NBA. He's fantastic. But that's good. Man, I have you noticed as much as I have, NBA players in particular seem to really embrace WWE. Oh, there's a lot like of them. I, yeah, I see it all the time. We have actually a, a football player at University of Kentucky who actually I think met with some WWE wrestlers recently because he does a lot of WWE inspired stuff. And we've talked about Enos Cantor who wrestled or who uh, played basketball for Kentucky. Now plays for the Knicks. I think he's dating Dana Brooke. Yes, I heard about that. Paul Heyman really wants him. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you look at him, look at his workout videos. uh, How about six foot eleven? Cut, just ripped. A big dude. I think he's like two forty five. 
So in WWE, that's a good 265. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah. Do you remember the right time? Now, do you remember the time that Taker uh, was in his gear? I believe it was when LeBron was still with Cleveland, and he was in his gear. And poor Taker. I don't know if Nigel knows about this one. So the Undertaker was invited to a Cavaliers game, uh, and they did a thing where he came out in his gear and all that. Okay. There's a video of him standing backstage, and I don't blame The Undertaker for this, because Undertaker's not a fanboy. He's, he's the last guy to be a fanboy. I think it was miscommunication. But he's standing backstage because I think that he thought LeBron James is going to come over and say hello, right? So he's standing out there, and all the other Cavaliers come over to say hi to The Undertaker, because they're all fans. So they all come over to say hi to The Undertaker. After all, Taker's standing there. LeBron tells his management team, because LeBron thinks that Taker's there being a fanboy, Right, uh, and which I don't think was the case, but that's what he was kind of told. So LeBron, WWE be probably sent him. Yeah, they probably did, but I don't think they told Taker, "Hey, you want to meet LeBron?" Because Taker yeah. doesn't give a shit, right? No. But there's poor Taker standing back there, and LeBron wouldn't come out. And LeBron ended up telling uh, whoever the management or whatever, just tell him, you know, because he doesn't like people standing around waiting for him for autographs and photos and stuff. Right. And so, like being exploited either. Yeah, right, right, right. Which is which was the case because WWE wanted footage, right, uh, of LeBron okay. with Taker. They had a cameraman there. They wanted that footage. I felt bad for Taker because of all the guys in the locker room to make do that kind of stuff. He is the last guy that you should make do that kind of stuff. So it's I, just so weird, man. Like they sent they sent Taker and Michelle McCool and Dana Warrior and her kid, and it was like. Just such an awkward, weird yeah. situation. And Dana Worry, she just kind of annoys me a little bit. Yeah. A little now, bit. On the, somebody saying Enos Cantor going to WWE. Well, maybe. He's making $18.6 million this year. And that's what we call above Saudi Arabia money. Yeah, not just that, <laughs> but like a guy that size, the knees and everything. I mean, yeah. Kevin Nash is kind of the exception to the rule, I think, when it comes to you know, success with that kind of stuff. Uh, one more thing for my list this week. So uh, WWE publicly announced their latest round of recruits for the Performance Center. We have a nice little photo of all those recruits. Nigel, put that sucker up there. This was released by WWE. Look at that beautiful lineup. Our regulars probably recognize one of those fellas. So uh, among the Punishment people there... Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> among the people there, Punishment Martinez. You see him in the back on the right. Uh, they refer to him by his real name in their little release. You can keep it up there for a bit, Nigel. Sure. And then uh, they also have Mia Kim. She's sitting... Or Mia Yim. She's sitting in the front row there. Uh, Chelsea Green is an interesting one because I knew she had tried out there, but I never heard about her signing. There she is sitting in the front row. Then they have a gentleman in the back. His name is Jordan Amogbian. Look at the size of that guy. Seven foot three. He's a basketball player, former basketball player from Nigeria. And then, not to discredit the others that I haven't mentioned, but in the bottom right, Fightful alumni, Mr. Matt Riddle. Is sitting up there looking all pretty in that Performance Center t-shirt. Uh, Seth Rollins did a Facebook Q&A recently. And he was asked who he'd like to face in the future. And we have the video of it. Go ahead, Nigel. Put that up. Um, I know he's new, but Matt Riddle. Um, I think, you know, he's someone who's super talented. He's got a, an interesting skill set, a different style. Uh, and I'm always intrigued by styles. I'm someone who I feel like I can have a good match with anybody. Um, and I'd like to see just how... Riddle and I style kind of mesh together. That'd be a fun matchup. It would be. And they're they're, be. they're very similar in size. 
And but they but they're different in styles. That'd be a fun. That'd be a high impact fun matchup. I sent Matt Riddle a text that said, "God damn, who, who is that dude in the back?" And he sent me a picture of them hanging out. This dude is enormous. Yeah, he now. By the way, I know he's a former basketball player. How is he in terms of athleticism? I don't know. Okay. Haven't heard. Haven't heard about that. But, okay. Uh, yeah, th- this class is very good. I reported on Fightful Select and our Fightful Wrestling Weekly. It's an exclusive column that drops every Friday where I put about a thousand words worth of exclusives in it that maybe you guys missed, but like it was in January or February I put that WWE had interest in Chelsea Green yep. and there were some hurdles that she had to overcome in order to get there. But also, as I've touted to you, Jimmy, Punishment Martinez, I got two features in the can. Yeah. WWE's gonna love that. Making a finisher. <laughs> And Wikipedia fact check. Yeah, yeah. So deep into 2019. <laughs> Just going to hold on to that for a while. Oh, you damn right I am. You know, I know that WWE doesn't like to take gimmicks, but how tempted would you be if you're WWE once Chelsea Green's ready for the main roster? How tempted would you be to have her do a wedding on television and then have her be the scorned bride, Sean? How tempted would you... Impact? Yeah. How oh, tempted would you be? Great. She was great doing that. You know, that's when that's when I was told WWE really stepped up and were like, oh, wow. Yeah, they had the chance to sign her like twice and didn't. Yeah. And I know that she made very positive impressions when she was whenever she'd be around with Zack Ryder. A lot of people liked her. Uh, She she played the role essentially on Tough Enough that she was supposed to play. And that made a good impression. But you look back at that cast of Tough Enough, Jimmy, the two the, the people who got signed. Josh and Sarah Lee. Mm-hmm. Can you friggin' believe? Yeah. That's why anytime somebody says, oh, well, WWE needs to pick. No, the fans need to pick. No, a panel needs to pick. No, there is no surefire way because Josh Breedle and Sarah Lee beat Mandy Rose, mm-hmm. Sonya Deville, mm-hmm. Velveteen Dream. Chelsea Green. And Chelsea Green. That is unbelievable. Now remind me because sometimes I get the years mixed up. Was Josh the one that no sold the stunner? That was Andy Levine. That was Andy Levine. I still think about that idiot, and and I remember watching that. No, so Nigel, let me tell you. All right. So so I guess he was on Stone Cold's year, right? Because I had him out there with uh, yes. with Stone Cold. So this guy wins this competition, right? Yeah. To be a, a pro wrestler in WWE. Psychology is very important in pro wrestling, right? Meaning you do kind of what makes sense. He gets in there with Steve Austin. Steve Austin, one of the greatest of all time, right? Gets in the ring with him. Steve Austin, in order to like give him the tough love thing, gives him a little slap across the face. He bumped off of that, meaning that he like fell off of the slap, right? Then Stone Cold picked him back up to his feet, did the stunner, which is Stone Cold's move that took out everybody, Sean, right? Did the stunner, and he rolls out on his feet. Like, he rolls out of the ring, and, get, and he's on his feet. And I was watching that. That was his first and, I think, only appearance yes, that he was. ever had on W television. I watched that, and I thought, he is done. He is done. Because if you, if you don't understand, slapping off a bump is stupid. No selling one of the greatest finishers of all time is idiotic. And he is, I think, out of wrestling now, right? Oh, yeah. He got out about four years ago. He wrestled quite a bit in Puerto Rico. He was... He was making dates for WWEC for a couple years after he left WWE, but that guy was an idiot. Yikes! Also, idiot. <laughs> remember he beat Eva Lise, current Lucha Underground champion Marty the Moth. He beat uh, Matt Cross, who's son of Havoc. 
even beat uh, the the woman Cameron. Uh, probably probably should have beat her. She sucked. Well, but. he beat himself is what he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> because he had an opportunity. When you're in the ring with one of the greatest of all time, and I'd like to know what Stone Cold thought of that. Because Stone Cold was past his prime by that point. You know that he probably wanted to put the boots to him when he saw him no-sell the stunner the way he did. Yeah. You know, We should look for that clip and put it up next week, even though they'll demonetize I, us. I found it, or I found like a... a, a like a gif of it. Oh, did you? In the meantime, because I had to get my mind refreshed a little bit. Man, that that's nuts. It was awful, and I always remembered it because he was just such an idiot. Anyway, that's all I got for my list this week, man. Man. Yeah. What are you dressing up as for Halloween next week, Jimmy? So, sometimes, Sean, you need to sacrifice for your children. <laughs> and someday you might learn that because I'm not still convinced that you won't someday have a child. So you ah, might learn that. Now. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what, here's what Papa Jimmy's going to do. My daughter wants to be Elena of Avalor, who is uh, one of the Disney princesses. And sure. Papa Jimmy's going to be her royal prince. Okay. My wife got me a prince costume. I'm going to go out and be her prince for Halloween next week because now, you say you, it's what you do you for your kid. Your wife kid. got you a prince costume. Or are you going to sing Purple Rain? Funny you say that. <laughs> no, you know what's funny about that? So, so this week I was at a Starbucks with a couple of friends and I mentioned to them about how, oh, next week, uh, you know, my daughter's going to be this princess and I'm going to go as prince. They legitimately thought that's what I meant. Yeah. They actually thought, and I looked at them and I said, look. How many 200-pound, you know, 5'9 white guys can, can pull that off? Unless I'm really trying to do it in a jokey way. So. You could beat the crown prince. Oh, my God. Please, please don't. I mean, I'm going to avoid that. Hand, no. Unless you're handing out that kind of money. No. Then, oh, Here's well. a question for you, man. Do you want to do costumes on the podcast next week? Maybe. At the very least, I'll have a special intro. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And okay. listen. Listen, your boy, 100 is coming up. I've just, I'm setting the firm date. We're going to make it happen November 28th, regardless of schedules. That's 100. It could be 97 for all I care, but that's listing your boy 100. <laughs> and I've, I've made promises, Jimmy, a uh, lot of things. This sounds like Goldberg's streak all of a sudden. It could be 97, yeah. but it's going to be 100. Exactly. I've already made a lot of promises, quite frankly, that I can't keep. You know what I want to do? Here's what I want to do. And I should probably say this off the air, but no, I don't care. I'm going to say it on the air. I want you to look up some of the greatest UFC fight posters ever. Yeah? Because there have been some good ones over the years. Even Khabib and Connor was a good one. I want you to find some of the greatest UFC fight posters, and I'm going to have my development team, my design team, change them up to be Sean versus Melissa. And we're going to put them up on social media like regularly to promote this thing. You read my mind, and I I am happy to make this announcement. We're doing a press conference. Me and Melissa. She'll be in your chair. I'll be in mine. We're going to have our final comments. FightfulSelect.com subscribers will be able to submit questions to be asked to Melissa and SRS at the press conference. Is there going to be a weigh-in? I mean, if, if she wants to, sure. I think we should. Whatever. I mean... There should be a way in. I guess. I mean, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Why not? Let me why think. Why not? I, I could, mean, I could get Showdown to come in. That'd be very easy. He can, like, interview you guys before or after or both. Well, I mean, I think it would make sense for us to, to do the press conference probably immediately after one of these shows, which will be posted 
on Fightful.com, but my God. Cool. It's cool. happening. Listen to your boy 100. Explosions. Well, I mean, not, not that I'm going to root for one over the other, but if I need the warrior to give Melissa a hand, I won't, I won't second guess it. <laughs> do you think Melissa would get, do you think the warrior would help? Well, yeah, I've written bad stuff about warriors, so. Good chance. Yeah, There's a good chance. Probably right. Guys, leave it the thumbs up. Subscribe. Please subscribe to our new YouTube channel, uh, the MMA and Boxing channel. It is the pinned comment on the YouTube video, but we are on podcast platforms everywhere. As I said, I'm going live on this channel a lot more, going live on the MMA channel very often. we got clips, interviews, podcasts, social media posts, lots of neat stuff. Until next time, follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow Warrior. I don't know where you can follow him anymore. Dana Warrior at whatever. I don't know. At Warrior, I think. There you go. Probably. No, it's Warriors. Follow the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> They're probably better. We're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast, interviews, and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling.